Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. How many of you know that we often memorialize our heroes? And what I mean by that is the people that you look up to, the people in your life that that are, are heroes to you, we often pull out the parts of their life that we like the parts that we appreciate, the parts that that we admire, and we often don't look at the totality of their story, but just kind of those those areas in their life that that we admire about them. Uh, Or I don't know if you've ever been to a funeral where the pastor is talking about uh, Frank, you know, and, and Frank was a good father, and Frank was this and that, and you're like, you know, who's he talking about? Because Frank was a deadbeat. You know, Frank never paid child support. You know, and you're like, I I just decided that as a pastor, I'm never going to do that. Like, if I don't know the person, I don't do that many funerals anymore. But if I don't know the person, like, I'm not going to make up something about them. I'm just going to say, hey, Jesus is awesome. Jesus is amazing. You need to know him. He's coming back. Like, get ready. And so that's just what I do. But we often pull out the parts of people that, about their life that make us feel good. And we do the same thing with Jesus, by the way. We pull out the parts of Jesus' life and his teaching that make us feel good inside, that are warm and fuzzy. You know, we like the the coffee mug Jesus, the cute quote Jesus. We like the the bumper sticker Jesus. If you've ever seen the no peace, no Jesus, or the no peace, no Jesus kind of bumper stickers. Like we, we like that kind of Jesus. We memorialize the parts that make us feel comfortable. And we often leave out the parts of people's lives that make us uncomfortable. We like the, for God so loved the world, Jesus. The John 3, 16, Jesus, the hold the sign up in the end zone kind of Jesus. We, we want the, the Christmas Jesus. We like that Jesus. The cute little, you know, six pound, five ounce baby Jesus that we can hold and, and carry. But I wanna propose to us in this series called Discovering Jesus that that's not all there is of Jesus that there is a, a, another picture that we need to reveal. I don't know if you know about the riot starting Jesus. You remember him? There was a time when Jesus was in his own hometown and he was preaching such a radical word that a crowd started to form and the religious leaders of the day tried to push him over a cliff. And he escaped through the cliff, kind of mysteriously he got, he got out of it. What about that Jesus? Or what about the Jesus that was in the temple and he was overthrowing the money changers in the temple. Now, real quick, let me give you context for that because often people will, will, will hear that story or someone will preach on it and they'll say, yeah, yeah, that's the reason why the church shouldn't have money involved in it because Jesus you know, overthrew the, the money changers' tables and that's not really what was happening because they were supposed to be there. People would come from all over Israel to, to worship at the temple and they would have to exchange their, their money in order to worship through the sacrificial system. The problem was, is that they were in a part of the temple that they should not be in. And it made Jesus mad, it made him livid, and they were price gouging people. Kind of like everyone was doing last year on Facebook Marketplace for gym equipment. You probably did that. Charging crazy amounts for weights. But that's why he got so mad. They were in the wrong part. And so he th- flipped the tables. He, he fashioned a whip, right? The Bible tells us. And he drove the money changers out of the temple. That's the Jesus of the Bible too. Are you with me? Put that on your coffee mug. Time that Jesus would talk to the, the Pharisees and say, hey, you're like a, you're a brood of vipers. 
You're, you're, you're no better than your father, the devil. That's the Jesus of the Bible too. We should get t-shirts made that you're a brood of vipers. You're like your father, the devil. We often take out the parts of Jesus's life though that make us feel comfortable. We like the John 3:16 Jesus. We like the, I got plans for you, Jesus. We like the walking through daisies and the children flock to him kind of Jesus. But Jesus was a radical Jesus. He was an affront to the establishment of, of the day. He called people out that thought they were better than others. All these, you know, the religious elite that would look down their noses at people. And Jesus would say, you're like a whitewashed tomb. You are, you are, you know, clean on the outside, but on the inside you are dead and dying and rotting. Like, what about that Jesus? Here's what I'm convinced of. That in most churches today, they would not want Jesus, the real Jesus, as their pastor. Because we like the, 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 the John 3.16 Jesus. We like the Jesus that, that'll make everything go our way. We like the, the Jesus that, that you know, has plans for our life to prosper us and not to harm us. We like that Jesus. We don't want the radical, scandalous grace and, and truth kind of Jesus. The Jesus that would meet a woman at the well. In fact, the, uh, he would meet a woman and, and talk to her by himself and confront her. And there were all kinds of problems with that. Number one, that a rabbi would even talk to a woman. Number two, this kind of woman who because of her life and because of maybe depression or loneliness had made her compromise time and time again with man after man after man. He, no one uh, wouldn't be seen with this kind of woman. We don't want that Jesus. The Jesus that was comfortable with the mess, the Jesus that would welcome anyone and everyone. Or what about the, 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 the Jesus that, that when the woman was caught in adultery by the religious leaders, I don't know if you remember this story, which my question always is, how did they catch her in the act of adultery? What was that all about? But who, who caught in the act of adultery and they, they approached Jesus and said, stone her. Because that's what the religious law would have allowed for of that day. And Jesus said, okay, but you without sin cast the first stone. And no one could. They all had to drop their stones and leave. And the, Jesus looked at the woman and said, where are your accusers? And she looked up from her place of shame and guilt and said, I don't see them. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. Like we don't, we don't want that kind of Jesus who is scandalous in his grace and to the point in his truth. Go and sin no more. In fact, the whole reason they wanted to kill Jesus in the first place is because of what he taught, what he did. He, was, he, he turned the religious system of the day upside down on its head. And here we are many times, and we're content to have the, the pull string Jesus. You know, the, like the Woody doll that you pull the string on the back? That you pull the, the string on Jesus' back, zip. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Zip. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Zip, Jesus wants to give you your best life. Like, we like that kind of, we want the trinket Jesus. Are you with me? Or, or you don't know anything about this. We want the rabbit's foot Jesus. Anybody know about rabbit's feet? Like if you don't know about it, you should Google it. It's nasty. Like people used to think rabbit's feet are for good luck and maybe they still do, I don't know. But they'd cut off rabbit's feet because it gave them good luck. Those rabbits weren't lucky, but you were lucky because you had their feet. Like we want the dashboard Jesus, the Jesus that will get us out of a bind, the good luck Jesus, but can I propose to you, that's not the entire picture. That there's more to the, the story. And in the series leading up to Easter, I want us to discover 
the real Jesus. I want us to paint a complete picture. I want you to have a full representation of who Jesus is. Here's what the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. In the message version, uh, he wrote this letter to a, a church that he helped to plant in Corinth. Now, if you're new to the, the church thing and the Bible thing, the entire New Testament, uh, there's, it's a collection of books. And the first four are called the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they kind of tell the story of Jesus' life and ministry from the perspective of those who were closest to him. Now, we, we believe, and I believe that the whole Bible was God breathes, God inspired. So the Spirit, you know, told them and led them into what to write. But the first four chapters are about that, his ministry, his, his life, his, his trial, his, his crucifixion, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And then we get into that book of Acts about church planning and how the movement started to spread. And then Paul, one of the guys that was ridiculously transformed by Jesus on a road, when we first meet him, his name is Saul, he, he took that gospel message and started planting churches. And so a lot of the New Testament are, are letters that he would write to the churches that he planted, Romans, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, you know, Thessalonians, Corinthians, all these different letters. And here's, here's a letter that he wrote to a church they able to plant in Corinth. And this is what I hope to do in this series. Look at it with me. He said, you will remember, friends, that when I first came to you to let you know of God's master stroke. I love that. God's master plan. The thing that he had in mind from the, the very beginning of how he was going to reconcile people to him in a fallen and broken world, God's master stroke. He says, I did not try to impress you with polished speeches or the latest philosophy. He's like, I wasn't just kind of throwing things out there. I wasn't just posting stuff on Instagram and, and nice little quotes or, or doing the, the latest, greatest TikTok things. I wasn't coming to you at that. He says, I deliberately kept it plain and simple. Here's what I wanted to share with you. My message was first Jesus and who he is. Then Jesus and what he did. Jesus crucified. That right there is the entire premise of this series. Discovering Jesus. Jesus who he is. And Jesus what he did. We cannot follow Jesus closely until we see him clearly. We need to have a clear picture and understanding of who he is. And so the first thing I wanna talk about today is, is who he is. That's what we're gonna park on. And this is foundational to the picture we're going to reveal of Jesus. In fact, these are gonna build upon uh, each other week after week after week leading up to Easter, which by the way, can I just tell you right now, it's gonna be unbelievable. Like this Easter is gonna be an Easter like we've never had before. We're gonna have baptisms like all weekend long, it's, can I just encourage you, it's going to be, don't miss it, all right? In, in fact, I'd say if you're, you've been watching online, now's the time for you to jump into the room because it's going to be an experience. Like, I'm just so excited about Easter this year and all that God's going to do and how the message uh, of him coming from death to life is going to be lived out through the testimonies of hundreds of people getting baptized. So don't miss it, be there, all right? But if we're gonna understand who he is, here's a critical component. As a matter of fact, what I'm about to share with you is what all of our faith is built on. It's that important. It's, it's the foundation for, for everything. In fact, um, without it, this whole thing is a lie. 
without this, this peace, like we might as well shut this down. We might as well close the doors. We might as well pack up. We might as well just try to be the best people we can be, live the best life that we can. And then, you know, like when we die, let the, the worms do their thing on our dead rotting corpses. All right, that's might as well just do that. Man, lighten up. It's okay, people. It looks so tense. But without this one piece of, of information, um, then we might as well just shut it down because this is foundational. Now, here's the thing. As soon as I say it, you're gonna think, well, that's not that big of a deal, but it is. And if you'll just let me unpack it, I believe you'll see the depth and the power of it and how it really informs every aspect of your life as a follower of Jesus, which by the way, I know that's not everybody in the room. Not everybody in this room or everybody watching online has made the decision to follow Jesus and have Jesus be their Lord and Savior. And so let me just say this before I continue. You have found a place where you can, you can belong long before you ever believe. Do you know that? That you are welcome here. That it's okay. You're just sitting beside people who are on a journey, who are on a pursuit trying to figure out what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it look like to, to follow him in this world that we're in? So it's okay. In other words, it's okay if you're just looking, if you're just questioning, if you still have doubts, you can belong here long before you ever believe. Everyone is welcome. In fact, I'll say it this way. You are not just welcome here, you are wanted here. Are you with me? You're wanted. A lot of places say you're welcome, but they don't make you feel wanted. You are wanted here. I'm excited that you're here, and I hope by the time that we're done today that you feel like you are, are wanted uh, here, wanted in this place. But here's the foundational truth. Write it down that everything rests on. Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Colby, why does that matter that Jesus is God? Because if he's not God, then everything he said has no value to us. If he's not God, then everything he said might be good morals, might be good uh, teaching or instruction for the way that we live our life. But if he's not God, he cannot change your eternity. If he's not God, he cannot forgive your sin. If he's not God, he cannot save you. You can't experience freedom in him. If he's not God, he simply had some good thoughts that of course are irrelevant for us today because that was, you know, 2,000 plus years ago, but he is God. Jesus is God. And I want us to look at a couple places in the Bible that tell us he's God. First is John chapter one, verse one. It says, in the beginning was the word. Somebody shout word. 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 That's not saying that in the beginning there was the written word, there was the, the Bible. The word is a metaphor. The word means logos in the original language, which is uh, the thoughts of God expressed is what that means. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. So this word, whoever it is, whatever we're talking about here was with God and the word was who? It was God. The word was God. So whoever this person is, now that we're talking about the word, he is God. Verse two says, he, the word, was with God in the beginning. And through him, all things were made. And without him, nothing was made that had been made. So this, this he that was with God, who is God, was there in the beginning, part of cre creation. And verse four says, in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind, skip down to verse 14. It tells us who this word is. It says, the word became flesh. 
and made his dwelling among us. This is now talking about Jesus. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace. Neither do I condemn you. In truth, go and sin no more. Do you see that? Jesus was the, the epitome of grace and truth. John is telling us here, Jesus is God. He's God. Skip over to Matthew chapter 26. This is the account of, of Jesus being put on trial before the religious leaders of the day. This was known as the, the Sanhedrin prior to them crucifying him on the cross. And it says this in verse 59, the chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death. In fact, they were trying to get people to testify falsely against him. It says, but they couldn't find any. No one could. So what was it then that put Jesus on the cross is what happened next. Verse 63, they said, tell us, are you the Christ? They flat out ask him, are you the Christ? Are you the, the son of God? Now, real quick, uh, here's what you need to know. Christ isn't his last name. It just blew your mind. Some of you were like, what? It wasn't Mary Christ and Joseph Christ and they had a baby and named him Jesus Christ, okay? That's not what was happening. Christ means the anointed one. Christ means the, the one that God sent, the, the Messiah that was to come. So they're asking him, are you the Christ? Are you the Messiah? Are you the one that the Old Testament you know, prophets prophesied about for hundreds of years that would come and save us. Are you him? And Jesus responds in verse 64, says he answered in the good word translation, God's word translation, yes, I am. That's what he says, yes, I am. So John tells us Jesus is God. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, but Jesus himself, when asked point blank in this moment by his accusers, are you the Messiah? He says, yes, I am. I am. Why is this important? Why is it so important that Jesus is God? Because Jesus was not saying, I am a God. I'm one of the gods. He never said, I am a, a multiplicity of God. He said, I am God. He is God. There's one God. There's one Lord. There's one faith. There's one baptism. Are you with me? Like he is God. And a lot of people struggle with this point. In fact, you might be here this morning and you struggle with this. Or you might be watching online and you struggle with this. And the reason you, you struggle with it is because of the exclusivity of his claims. When Jesus says, I'm God and I am the way. What, what does the Bible say? He says, I'm the, the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And a lot of people push back on that and say, that's why I don't, I don't believe in Christianity because it's so narrow-minded. It's so narrow-minded, it's exclusive in its claims. But can I tell you, if you study any world religion, they're all exclusive in their claims. And the reason I, I follow Jesus and put my faith in Jesus, which by the way, you should know, I don't, I don't follow a religion. My faith is not in Christianity. My faith is in a person, okay? Like there's been a lot of things that have been done in the name of Christianity that I believe have hurt the heart of God. So, so in this series, we're not gonna learn about a religion, we're gonna learn about a person and what it means to follow a, a person, but my faith is in a person, not a system of belief, certainly not even in a denomination. My faith is in the person who walked the earth, who was, who was crucified, who was dead and buried and rose again on the third day. That's the reason I put my faith in Jesus, because the tomb is empty, because he's alive. 
In fact, you can go to any philosopher's, you know, tomb in the world and they're still there. You can go to Muhammad's tomb and he's still there. You can go to Buddha's tomb and fat boy's still there, right? But if you go to the tomb of Jesus, he ain't there. I've been to Jerusalem. I've stood in the garden tomb and he's not there. It is just as the angels told the women that day. Hey, he's not here. He is alive just as he said. So that's why I follow Jesus because he is alive. He was dead and he's alive. Call me crazy, call me radical, but I'm gonna go with the guy who got up from the dead. In fact, if you tell me you're God and you die and you come back to life, I'll probably follow you, all right? I'm just saying. And some people say that Jesus was simply a good man and I wanna propose to us that he could not just be a good man or that he was just a, a prophet, a wise prophet, but he cannot just be a wise prophet. He, he, he was a wise prophet. Or some people say he just was a good teacher and he taught good, good morals. And yes, he did do that, but he cannot just be a good moral teacher. In fact, I agree with C.S. Lewis, the famed atheist who uh, began this journey to discredit Christianity and discredit the faith. And eventually during that journey came to faith in Christ along the way. I agree with him when he said there are only three conclusions when it comes to the person of Jesus. He was either a liar which by the way, this is why he can't be a good person. Because a good person would not lie. A good person would not tell you they're the son of God and lead billions of people to put their faith in Jesus and lead billions of people to, to have hope if there really was no hope. A good, not, a good person would not, not do that. He was either a, a liar or a lunatic, right? Meaning he was so psychosis enough that he believed that he was the, the son of God when he actually wasn't. The only other explanation, he says, is that he is Lord. He's either a, a, a liar, a lunatic, or he is, is Lord. He cannot just be a good man. He cannot just be a moral teacher. Are you with me? He has to be Lord, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the Messiah. The only other explanation is Jesus is God. And why that is critically important, if he's God, then he is the only way to heaven. And I personally don't think that's narrow-minded. I don't think the exclusivity of that claim is narrow-minded at all. In fact, I think it's merciful. Because you know what that means? God did not leave us guessing on how to have a connection with him. God did not leave us wandering around the earth trying to figure out how do we get to God? How do we have this connection with the creator of the universe? He didn't leave us wondering, is it in the stars and the constellations and the fact that I'm a Capricorn? You know, is that how I connect with God? Or, or is it, you know, through the Chinese calendar and I'm a dog and I should only marry a pigeon? You know, that's, that's my connection with God. Or, or do I connect with God because I'm a good person? And if I do good things and my good outweighs my bad at the end of my life, then that's how I, I connect with God. He did not leave us guessing. He did not leave us with doubt or any ambiguity. He said, no, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And I've sent him to pay the sins for all, for anyone who would call on his name. That is not narrow-minded. That's merciful that God would tell us how to have a relationship and a connection with him. So if Jesus is God, then what does it matter for me? What does that mean in, in my life? I want to share with you in the, our, our, our last few minutes um, four things. And I want you to write these down. 
that he is God. And again, these are going to be foundational to everything we talk about over the next few weeks um, because we're going to discover Jesus as healer next week. I'm looking forward to that. But if he's not God, then what does it matter? Are you with me? We're, we're going to talk about Jesus as friend to sinners who would welcome anyone and everyone. But if he's not God, what does it matter that he would serve me and welcome me? We're going to talk about Jesus as risen Lord. But if he's not God, what does it matter? What does it matter? Are you with me? So this is foundational to everything. Here are four things. Write these down. Everybody good? We good? We awake? All right, here we go. Number one, if Jesus is God, then my only response, my first response is to promote his position. If he's God, I need to put him in his rightful place in my life. Philippians 2, 9 says this, therefore God elevated him to the highest place, the place of highest honor, and gave him the name above all names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So if he is God, he has to be in the right place in my life. He needs to be promoted to his rightful place. Position. In other words, Jesus is not simply an add-on to your life. It's not that you go on vacation and, you know, I got to pack my, my toothbrush and my toothpaste and my shampoo, you know, and I'll pack Jesus too just in case I need him. And I say that kiddingly, but I think a lot of times we think he's an add-on. That he's like an app in our phone that we open up when we need him. Well, you know, I need some wisdom for this decision, so I better go to my Jesus app. Or I need some help, you know, in this area of my life. God, I need you to open a door for me. So I'm going to open up my Jesus app because I need an open door for me. Can I tell you something? He's not an app. In fact, he's the operating system that everything is running on in your life. Like I don't orient my life around everything else and then see where I can fit a little bit of Jesus into it. If he is God, he needs to be promoted to the rightful position in your life. He needs to be first in your life, and then we orient everything else in our life around that. And the pushback is this, Colby, that sounds like a lot. That sounds like a lot of commitment to put him first. I would just say this to you. He put you first. He committed to you first. I would say nails in his wrist and nails through his feet and a cat of nine tails ripping his back open and the crown of thorns shoved on his head, him being crucified on the cross showed a lot of commitment to you. Demonstrated a lot of commitment that he would go, go first for you. So it is a lot of commitment to put him first. And I'm not saying that Jesus doesn't wanna bless you and that Jesus doesn't wanna do great things in your life. I just think sometimes we approach him as though He is to follow us around and do our bidding. God, I need an open door. God, I need you to to work this in my life. God, I, you know, it's like he's a genie in a bottle and we rub him and get three wishes. But Jesus came into this earth so that he would die, be crucified, buried, and raised, elevated to the highest position. And that we forget it's all about him. And that at one day at his name, every knee is going to bow to the glory of God, the Father. It's about him. It's for him. Jesus is Lord. And he gets a priority position. And I'm I'm honestly a little concerned that we have shifted our focus to building people or to building churches. 
When instead we should be focused on Jesus and who he is. We've lost the reality that he is king. And a king has a kingdom. And in a kingdom, the king has the the final say. In a kingdom, it's not a democracy. It's not a, you know, well, here's what I think we should do. No, in the kingdom, I don't get a vote. I simply have to bow my knee and declare the king is Lord. Are you with me? My only response is to do that. And I think sometimes we come to church thinking, what what can I get out of it? Or what can Jesus do for me? And again, I'm not saying that Jesus isn't in the business of of wanting to build your faith and and strengthen your faith. Like, Like I see the weekend as a pep rally where we come in here and we, we get ourselves in a right position with God and we focus on, on him and then we understand from his playbook what he wants to do in our life and we get strengthened and we get out on the field and we put some hits on the enemy, all right? That's what I see the weekend being at the heart of who I am and is, is an exhorter. I wanna build your faith. I want you to have an encounter with God, right? I want you to feel like you can square your shoulders, walk out of this building and storm the gates of hell with a water pistol. That's, that's who I am, but I never want us to forget above all else, Jesus is God. He's God. Like he's the only one. He is worthy of our praise. If he's never done anything for me, it doesn't matter. He gets my praise because he's God. If he never opens a door, he's worthy because he's God. If he never uses me, he's worthy because he's God. And one day every knee's gonna bow. Every tongue will confess he's Lord. I'm just trying to help us bow it on this side of eternity because on the next side it's too late. So you gotta promote him. You gotta put him in his rightful place in your, your life. Here's the second thing we gotta do and that is to accept his authority. I was gonna write this as submit to his authority but then I thought those are your two favorite words, submit and authority. That's something a generation, this generation doesn't like to do, right? Submit or be under authority. But the kingdom of God, in his kingdom, we submit to the king. We accept his authority. In fact, I would say that true life, real life, is found on the other side of submission. It's not what you, you think it is. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority on heaven, all the authority on heaven and on earth. Colossians 2, 9 says, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in human form. Again, that's the word becoming flesh. So you are also complete through your union with Christ. In other words, you wanna get to know God, get to know Jesus. You wanna draw close to God, draw close to to Jesus. It, It says, who is the head over every ruler and authority. I love that verse because that means there is no earthly authority There is no demonic authority. There is no authority of of darkness that has authority over Jesus. And so as I come under his authority, I don't have to fear anything because I'm under his authority because he is uh, the authority over all of it and he covers me. So I don't have to walk in fear, right? I can walk in faith because I am under the authority of Jesus and everything is under his authority. That's great news. But here's the deal. You don't know if you're really truly submitted to something until it asks you to do something you don't want to do. That was the uppercut. Sometimes I watch UFC on Saturday night getting ready for church on Sunday. Because we're all excited about, you know, being under the authority of God and nothing can touch us. You know, we don't have to be under the authority of any, you know, other presence in our life. You know, he is our authority. 
But I would say you don't know if you're really submitted to Jesus until he asks you to do something that you don't want to do. God, I don't want to forgive them. I don't feel like forgiving them. Well, he didn't say, did you feel like it? He just said we are to forgive each other. We are under his authority. Even in his time on earth, Jesus was under the authority of the Father. You remember in the garden, hours before he's going to, to be crucified on the cross, he's, he's stressed out and sweating so badly that he's bleeding through his, his, his pores in his skin. And he asked God, he says, God, if there's any other way to do this, like let this cup of suffering pass from me. And then what does he say? But not my will, your will be done. I'm under your authority. But God, I don't feel like forgiving them. But not my will, your will be done. I don't feel like serving today, but not my will, your will be done. I don't feel like giving, I don't feel like tithing, but not my will, your will be done. I'm submitting to your authority. We don't walk around, you know, uh, waiting until we feel something to do something. Faith isn't about a feeling. My faith isn't based on my feelings. It's based on my accepting his authority in my life. You know what that means? It means Jesus, before you even ask me something, the answer is yes. Before you even ask me to forgive them, the answer is yes. I submit to your authority. Before you even ask me to, to give and live generously, the answer is yes. Before you even ask me, the answer is, is always yes. Does God have your yes? Or when, when God speaks to you and asks you to do something, is it more of a negotiation? Well, I'm not really sure you know, if I want to do that. Like if I'd have had my will, if I'd have, you know, not been submitted under God's authority, I'd have planted a church in a place there were beaches that didn't freeze over. <laughs> Never got below 60. But because I'm submitted, and it's not a reluctant, oh yes, God, I gotta do it. It's not a reluctant yes. It's a God, I am submitted to you. And so I know your plans for my life are way better than my plans for my life. And so I'm gonna follow you. You have my Yes. Now we have a divine love for the city and for people who are far from God in this city. We desperately want to reach them. So you're stuck with me no matter what, even if you don't like it. Sorry. Unless my wife wants to move to the beach and then we're out of here. Just saying. <laughs> happy wife, happy life. Does he have your yes? Does he have your yes? And I say that because I think we've lost something. In God's desire for us to have this unwavering acceptance of his authority in our life. We've lost something. Because I read stories about Moravian missionaries who, who head to the mission field and they pack their coffin and take it with them because there is no thought of them returning or coming back, that they are going to die there for the cause of Christ. And here we are trying to decide if we wanna to come to church two weekends in a row. <laughs> Just leave that right there. Number three, have your way, Spirit. Seriously. We've lost something in accepting his authority in our life. I feel like we have decisions whether or not we want to worship when we want to worship. I'm going to stop. All right, here we go. Number three, maintain his mission. Jesus is God. And if he's God, it, it would make sense that, that I'm going to put him in his rightful place. It makes sense that I'm going to come under his authority 
And so that means I'm going to live my life for his purposes. So what's his purpose? Matthew 28, 19 says this, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is known as the Great Commission. So I'm going to maintain the mission of the Great Commission. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. But we often leave off 17, for God did not send his son into the world, right, to condemn it, but to save it through him. That's the mission of God, to save the world through his son. And so if I'm gonna be under his authority, I'm going to maintain his mission. I'm gonna follow his purposes that he has. And what's his purpose? His purpose, Luke 19, 10, that he would seek and save the lost. That's why Jesus came. Can I remind you? That's why we're here. That's why we gather. That's why we, we have this worship experience on, on the weekend. Yes, we want to build each other up. Yes, we want to pray for one another. Yes, we want you to get in groups. We want to hold each other accountable. We want to strengthen you. We want to iron sharpens iron. We want to do all that. But can I tell you, none of that happens unless the ultimate thing of maintaining the mission that God has given us is not first. That has to be first in our, our life. And what's his mission? Souls, lost people, people that have no hope, people who are, are far from God, the souls of men and women and boys and girls. Like that's his mission. Jesus didn't come to make us happy. Jesus didn't come to make us comfortable. He came to seek and save the lost. He came to, to seek and save those who are far from him and to give us power through the Holy Spirit to maintain that mission, to advance the gospel. That's why we exist. So we can come together and we can have an encounter with God and experience God so people could know God, not just, just have, know him in their head, but know him in their heart. They can have a relationship with God. They can experience freedom and be equipped for the calling and the purpose to maintain the mission of God. So what's the purpose of, of your life? He's God. He's God. He deserves to be promoted to his rightful place in your life. Uh, he needs to, we need to accept his authority. We need to maintain his mission. And here's the last one. Why do we do all this? Because he's God, but he's not just God. He's also good. How do I know he's good? Romans 5, 8 says this, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He's good. He's good. While we were still sinners, while we were still missing the mark, you know that's what the word sin means. It's an archery term. It means that you just, you're off the mark. You didn't hit the bullseye. And a lot of us in our life, sometimes we push back against that word. Well, I'm not a sinner. Well, actually, are you hitting the mark every time in your life? Are you hitting the bullseye? Are you, are you living the life God's called you to live? Are you living on purpose and, and on point? But even while we were doing that, and you could be missing the mark in a massive way, but even when we were doing that, say Christ died for us. He's not just God, he's good. And so the final thing you need to make sure you do is write it down, secure his salvation. Receive the free gift of grace from Jesus who gave his life on your behalf. Jesus is God. And if you're a believer, then we need to put him in his rightful place. 
We need to come under his authority for our life, his covering that he has for us. And we need to get on his mission and do everything that we can to fulfill it, to be a part of it, to be a part of bringing the kingdom of God to this earth and reaching as many people as we can. And if you have not yet made the decision to follow him, today is the day you need to secure your salvation. You just surrender your life. And I'm gonna give you a chance to do that right now. If you just bow your head, close your eyes in this room and online. Here's what you need to know. The Bible says that we're all sinners. That is not a statement of condemnation. That is a point of reality. That we're all broken and we could not fix ourselves. We could not restore ourselves. And so Jesus came to give his life to make us right, to put us in a rightful place with God if we would just accept his sacrifice and confess him as Lord and give our life to follow him, to secure the salvation that he's offering us. And you've maybe never done that before in your life. I wanna give you a chance to do that through prayer. In just a moment, I'm gonna pray a prayer, but if you'd say, Colby, I want you to count me in on that prayer. Like, I'm gonna pray that with you. If you're in the room or if you're online, would you right now just hold your hand up? No one's looking around. Would you just lift it up high? Just wherever you are. Yep, God bless you. God bless you. Say, Colby, I'm gonna give my life to Christ. I'm gonna follow him. I'm gonna surrender to him. Yeah, 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 I see you. Awesome, awesome. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. You can put them down. The Bible says as we confess Jesus as Lord with our mouth, we believe that God raised him from the dead. We would be saved. We would receive this free gift of salvation. And not only would it give us an eternal life with him one day, but it would give us purpose and power for this life today. To put him in his rightful place. To come under his authority. And to maintain the mission and the plan that he has through us on this earth. If you raised your hand, or even if you didn't, you can pray something like this. If you wanna make that commitment today, just whisper it, pray it out loud. God knows your heart. Say, Jesus, today, I give you my life. I surrender to you. I come under your lordship. Jesus, you're my king. You are my Lord. And I know that you died on the cross for my sins. So forgive me. I repent and I put my trust in you. I believe God raised you from the dead so I could be raised to a new life in Christ right now. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Come on, church, celebrate with those in the room. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast, and we hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com slash yes. There will be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.